Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Opinion Line. Corks 96 FM. James is a Cork man. He's a former heroin addict who was living on the streets of Cork for years, but this is a story I think everybody needs to hear. He turned his life around and he's now working with Cork Education and the Training Board Youth Services. Uh, he's the host of the excellent Two Naughties podcast. Lovely. And he's doing it with his buddy Timmy Long, um, himself, Timmy, from the north side of the Cork City. And uh, Timmy lived uh, a chaotic life of addiction and crime and prison, but managed to get sober in 2011. And uh, together, collectively, the lads have a lot to say and a lot to offer people. And uh, James is on the line. Great to finally talk to you, James. How are you? Morning. Morning, lads. Thanks for the lovely introduction. Yeah, well, listen, you've you've worked hard to, to earn that introduction. I mean, you... Just facts, yeah. Yeah, we're just, we're just stating the facts, I suppose. Um, let's, let's go back to the beginning for you, James. Um, how did... How did you end up addicted to something like heroin? Where were you in life uh, that, uh, that sent you in that general direction? Uh, I think as a child, I was... As a teen, anyway, um, I didn't really get on too well in secondary school, and I got into a lot of trouble in school, and um, I just became a low on confidence and low on self-esteem, and I became, you know, in your teens, um, I became kind of, I had a very negative self-image, you know, poor self-image, and you know, I suppose that there's a lot of teens experiment when you're 15, 16, alcohol or weed or whatever, um, and that's kind of normal. When I started experimenting, then it got out of hand because I was using it to give me what I was lacking inside, which was the confidence and the self-esteem. So I used chemicals and substances then from then on. It didn't matter what it was, really. Sometimes it was alcohol, sometimes it was drugs. You know? mm. So that was what it was, it was self-medication, if you will. So before we move on from here to, to, to anywhere further down the timeline, when you were yeah. saying that in school you felt that you were kind of slipping between the cracks and you didn't get on very well in school, do you feel that there was anything that could have been done differently when you were in school that might be even being done now for, for young teenagers that might have actually kept you more engaged and less inclined to lose your self-confidence? Yeah, I think there, was, there, there is at the moment in terms of uh, in schools now we have school completion programs mm-hmm. where you would have an, an officer would be assigned to a child that's fallen just slipping behind. You have a homeschool liaison officers, which we didn't have back then either, you know, so, um, and t- teachers are more aware of, you know, of, of like that the school could be a holistic environment rather than just curriculum based, mm-hmm. you know, so you would hope, I know, I know that there is better support there today, so I, I'd have more hope. Um, for children today. Yeah. How soon uh, did the addiction take hold in terms of the heroin? Because there's, you know, a lot of people and kind of what people would assume is that it's very aggressive and it's instantaneous. Uh, yeah, what was your experience with it? 
Um, that's probably correct enough. I, we smoked it for a while because, you know, uh, the idea I had of heroin in my head was, you know, injecting mm-hmm. street drug use and, you know, I didn't want to do any of that. Um, afraid of needles, I was mad to think about it. Yeah. So we smoked it for a while and we thought it was a safe way to do it. And then one day we didn't have any and you get severe withdrawals from opiates when you just stop suddenly. So then once I knew then I was physically dependent on that, you know. Yeah. So then we always looked to get the drugs, I suppose, after a while then. It was inevitable we started using needles as well, you know. And once you start using needles, then you, your parents deteriorate and you start become more chaotic and you need more drugs, you mm-hmm. need more money, you do more mad stuff. Yeah. And um, overdoses then can become frequent as well. What does it feel like when you when you take heroin? What happens to you? It's hard to describe because you're not supposed to feel something like that in this world. So there's no earthly words to describe it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's 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 the best feeling that you'll ever ever experience ever. Bear none. It's just the, like when you're feeling low, depressed, um, isolated, lonely, all these negative emotions, and you're feeling all them, and then you you use that stuff, then it just comforts everything. Like, that's all emotional pain. And heroin works by attaching onto the pain receptors in the brain. The pain receptors in your brain is for physical and emotional pain. So when you when you, when you have emotional pain like that, and you use heroin, it just blocks all that emotional pain. And then when you don't have it, it comes, the, the emotional pain comes back stronger and stronger. So then you want to use more and more. And as I said, it's just the self-medication. Now... You know, saying that it's a, a sense of euphoria and the feeling of actually taking it, the the flip side of that coin, as most people, as everybody is aware of, yeah. is the fact that it, it it takes away essentially your soul. It, it destroys your life. It makes you a husk of who you you were, and it takes yeah. away all your humanity basically. And and I know people are vilified, and and you know people are often called you know junkies and and all that kind of stuff. And there's a very kind of vilification of people who are addicted to a substance, mm-hmm. but it has hold of you and it's ruining your life kind of from the inside in and it's hard yeah. to escape it. Yeah, I, like I've grown up with fellas and I've been in jobs with fellas and I've been in prison with fellas. Very proud men, mm. very strong men, fellas that would be respected and you'd see them a couple of years later and they're begging on the streets, shamed, you know, and it's yeah. like how, how, it's just you just lose every bit of dignity and self-respect you've ever had. It's it's mad what it does, sir. It's just it's just a very it's a very destructive drug. You go to the lowest place you could possibly go, where you're on the street, half unconscious, and you've just shot up, and you're on the steps. Where exactly in Cork, James, when this happened? You know where? Uh, you know Blarney Street. Halfway up Blarney Street, there's a pub called the High House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's kind of steps going down the side of the High House that brings you to Sunday as well. So you're, you're you're at that is is that when you realise that this is it? I, I I've been found by somebody. I've woken up somewhere that you know well, I wasn't half an hour ago. Well, after the, after that, well, somebody found me there and rang the guards, the paramedics. They arrived, um, so I survived that one. I say, and then I met the guards a couple of days later. Yeah. Um, in Knocknahini, and they says, "Look, James, you're at a new law now. Like you're lucky somebody found you." because you would have been found dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we know you a long time, but this is as bad as you've ever been. So, you know, I had to take note of that because my relationship with girls up until then wasn't the one of compassion and kindness, let's just say that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it's hard to ignore something then, you know, because it goes against your perception of what a guard is, which was at the time wasn't my friend and it wasn't for me to help me out to be trusted, you know. So after that instance, I, I just made a phone call and um, it took me six months, though, to get into the treatment after the phone calls, you know. So there was a lot of chaos waiting to get to bed, but I'm very lucky that I survived all that and once I got my chance, then I just grabbed it by hands. A lot of people would have, you know, they would have um, got on the wagon and they would have they would have gone through a certain amount of, you know, detoxing or they would have, you know, they would have had the withdrawals and they would have come out the other end and then relapsed as well. How do you maintain uh, in, in, time, in terms of, you know, how you view yourself and how you view what you've went through and keep yourself on that side of the fence? You make a very good point there. I've been in treatment with a lot of people that done the detox. Like, I was, I was in the detox for eight weeks, detoxing from methadone and benzodiazepines. I knew for a fact if I left the detox after I got, after I got detoxed, I knew I was going back to drugs because my problem was never the drug problem, and that may sound silly. My problem was an emotional problem, a self-regulation problem, a coping skills problem, and I had all these underlying issues that I needed to address. And the people that stick out the treatment after the detox and do the, the, the two months, the four months, the six months or the 12 months treatment in terms of therapy, group work, 12 steps, all these things, um, aftercare, meetings, I did all these things, you know, and slowly but surely I, I gained new coping skills and I was able to deal with the issues, the underlying issues. And once I kind of done all that, then I just... Drugs don't become appealing anymore then because after some time you build up a nice life for yourself and you get an education, you get a nice job and you get married and you have a nice car and next all of us, you know, then you don't want drugs. You know, I've, I've been around, there's still drugs in my area. I've worked in homeless services where there was a lot of drugs. They never appealed to me because... I was after dealing with underlying issues and I didn't need to self-medicate anymore. It's an incredible amount of self-awareness to have, especially yeah. when you're battling something so aggressive and, and, and so kind of, uh, you know, all-encompassing. But um, in in terms of your co-host of the podcast then as well, Timmy, uh, would Timmy have had the same, because obviously one glove doesn't fit all, uh, would Timmy have had the same background or the same kind of root causes or did he, you know, not uh, not obviously speak for him or, but but yeah. did, did you find that you have a commonality in, in that respect? The commonalities between me and Timmy are he only lived a few doors away from me and I kind of grew up in his house because I was friends with his two younger brothers. Mm -hmm. Timmy's a few years older than me. I, I always like to remind him of that. <laughs> but uh, but it, it, the fact is that we had very different stories at the same time. Timmy was more... Timmy's, as I said, he is of an older vintage, so they would have been older. They would have missed the heroin. When mm -hmm. the heroin came in, they would have been growing up and working with families and stuff. But Timmy was into cocaine and tablets and but Timmy was always a very skilled tradesman and working but he'd have kind of outbreaks of addiction let's say that would lead into chaos mm -hmm. whereas I, I never really worked you know or had stable relationships or any any of that you know I was Timmy let's say would have drank in pubs I would have drank down lanes Timmy yeah. would have used Coke in Prague, but I would have used heroin down St. Anne's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, when you put yeah. it like that. Um, James, how do you feel about the, the current situation? Because I know that the problem in Cork is getting worse, and the evidence of that is just walking around the city. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there are parts of Cork where you, you can just see users and you can see addicts. And again, on Patrick I, Street, I, everywhere. Yeah. And I, I really despise the term junkie because they're mm -hmm. not junkies, they're sick people. Yeah. They're very, very sick people that need help. Um, getting back to the 
the the availability in Cork that's that's still a huge problem. But how do you feel now after coming out of the other side of addiction and hitting rock bottom to where you are now? What do you think is the the approach with narcotics and drugs in general? What do you believe should they be legalized and controlled, or is there absolutely no agenda for that whatsoever? Uh, well, I don't think there's an agenda for us, but I personally believe that it can be legalized and controlled. Especially at the moment, like in in Cork, you, it's not that we have a growing drug problem. We have a consistent drug problem. It's just as heroin came into the city, that drug problem has become more visible because people find it hard to maintain homes, families, and jobs while on heroin. So then they just go to the streets. But these, you know, we have a drug problem in Cork for a long time. It's just a lot more visible now because them drug users they gravitate to the city centres because that's where the money is to be made through begging and stealing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we have a huge growing drug problem. I just think it's a more visible one as more people go on heroin. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that then, there's countries, like in England, they've used a, um, a policy for years, uh, heroin-assisted treatment. They use it in Canada as well. If you have a chronic drug user, heroin addict, opiate addict, that has been on heroin for a very long time and all other methods of treatment have not worked. The doctor prescribes them um, a pharmacy-grade heroin and everything is supervised. That person then, there's no risk of overdose or infection or spreading diseases. They're not going to be teething to get the money. They can maintain a normal life. They can work and be productive members of society. Now, it's controversial, but we have to remember that Drugs weren't always legal, and it's a very recent, relatively recent in our history as a society, you know, um, and I think we should go back and, like, a lot of the harms caused by drugs is actually our response to them rather than the drug itself. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of drugs are, they're seen differently as well. So, for example, you know, uh, prescribed medication and opiates would be seen as a lot more cleaner and then things like cocaine and, and heroin would be seen as dirty drugs. But they have the same effect and people can be held by them in the same sense. But when you said about the assisted... Um, Heroin-assisted cons- treatment. Yeah, and, and, and it's yeah. like supervised consumption. Uh, the, the, yeah. Like in Switzerland, like the the, uh, the AIDS uh, among drug addicts has steadily declined. Deaths due to misuse have steadily declined. And what it is, is it's not... You're not. We're not saying it's okay. Everybody can just do it now. It's a case of can people do it safely until they actually do what you did, which was find what the root cause was and start mm. to fix yourself and not end up dead on the street. Exactly, and like I can't be used as a measurement of success or achievement for people in recovery because what I went through and what somebody else goes through is something totally different, yeah. and maybe somebody's um, recovery could be as much as they're able to just maintain on methadone mm-hmm. and they're able to look after their kids and look after their families and that's brilliant for them. It's better than being strung out on the streets. Um, you know, mm-hmm. education and you know, PhDs and all these things are great, but that's not where we should be aiming. You just want to become happy and kind of get out of the chaos and if that means that you have to take some sort of medication or you have to you know it's, everybody is different you know and it's just about finding the place where you're content and happy yeah James you're a phenomenal fella legend you, you, you really are I mean you know for, for you to go through what you did for you to achieve what you have achieved I mean coming out bachelor's degree in youth community work master's degree in criminology um, happy family you're you're the massive light at the end of the tunnel and the fact that you you know regularly do things like this talk about it on air and you've got your two Nari's podcast which is up and running um, yeah. you, you just need to be commended you, you need to be given the freedom of the city in every level um, thank you 
Thank you so much again for talking yeah, to James, us. James, I find it hard to get off cinnamon buns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, absolute pleasure yeah. talking to you. Thanks no, so much, James. Thanks for having me on, lads. God bless. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Um, another amazing conversation with James Leonard here this morning mm-hmm. on The Opinion Line. You're listening to Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.